Hello and welcome to the fourth Heart of the Hulk podcast of the season in partnership with Fansbet, of course. My name is Ryan Pitcher and today I'm joined by fellow Heart of the Hulk members Callum Richardson and Dom Phillips as we dissect the Palace defeat and the absolute robbery the Villa boys suffered at the hands of referee Kevin Friend. Along with this, we'll be covering Tyro Mings and his call-up to the national team, among many other things. Let's do it. understood I can't see why it didn't um, Jack gets a nudge in the back and then Gary Cahill comes in for the tackle when he's on, on the way down and he slides it off to Henry who puts it in the back of the net I don't see what's wrong with it can, can you see at all what the referee has, has seen there well I didn't know what it was at the time I thought he'd give us a free kick um, you know but I think his performance was was pretty poor all game, you know, in my, in my opinion. He's human, he makes mistakes, and he's made a big one there today. Okay, so today we have a debutant on the pod with writer Callum Richardson making his first appearance, and he joins Dom Phillips as a guest of the show. Uh, welcome, boys. Um, first up, let's get straight into the meat of it. We've just heard some words from Dean Smith about it at the top of the show, and I think it's fair to say that Kevin Friend is no friend of Aston Villa. But before we go over some former discrepancies, uh, let's talk about the highly controversial daylight robbery, in fact, of a last-minute equaliser by Henry Lansbury at Crystal Palace on Saturday. Callum, can you even put this into words? What in God's name happened? It is literally the worst refereeing call I've ever seen. It's made worse by the whole VAR situation. Chris Kamara, actually got in touch with the referee and uh, the panels and stuff and he got back from them this this is the exact uh, comments he got back the referee considered that Jack Grealish committed an act of simulation in the penalty area and blew his whistle to stop the game before the ball went into the goal under the IFAB protocol the VAR is allowed to review the potential penalty situation having reviewed the incident the VAR judged that no clear and obvious error had occurred and the on-field decision remained the VAR was unable to check the goal because the whistle went before the ball went into the net. So basically, Kevin Friend has dropped a double clanger. Mm-hmm. He's, he's given it a dive when it wasn't. And by blowing the whistle, when he's meant to let play flow so that VAR can actually help him, it's, it's designed to get him out of trouble. He's thrown that, that chance away as well. Um, we've been robbed of a point and Crystal Palace have gained two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, going on, from what he's, yeah, going on from what he said about how you know VAR is there to help him. He, what he should be doing as a referee there is saying, right, we'll let VAR make the decision. But he's so arrogant, in my opinion. Think, no, you know, or he's confident, whatever. He's so confident that that is a dive, that he's overruled VAR. How can you be that confident that is a dive? If you are confident enough to subvert video replays, that you think that is a dive. And it is the most, like, even people from the stands can see it's not a dive. Any fans, rival fans, Palace fans, it's not a dive. You just, you're, not, you're not fit to referee. You can't, I mean, you can't, so, if you can't see that, like, oh. I mean, you saw, uh, yeah, I mean, you saw Gary Cahill when Grealish goes on the run. He obviously gets the nudge in the back, and he remains on balance just about. And then when the um, when Cahill comes in, you actually see Cahill for a few seconds clutching uh, his shin. Um, so clearly there was contact because he's, he's writhing on the floor for a couple of seconds uh, after he's popped the pass off. 
Um, so clearly there's contact there, and I, 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 honest to God, do not understand why he just doesn't let play continue. And then if he has to call it back and have a little look at it, fair enough, that's what VAR is there for. But this isn't the first time Kevin Friend has been involved in incidents uh, surrounding Villa. Obviously, Paul Lambert a few years ago, I know uh, you tweeted about this, Callum. Um, a few years ago, Paul Lambert made a complaint to referees chief Mike Riley um, from a from a game in 2013-14, a defeat to Chelsea, uh, where Ivanovic elbowed Benteke. He stayed on the pitch. He went on to score the winner. There was another couple of questionable decisions in that same game. And obviously, he was the fourth official and one of the closest persons to the Ryan Fredericks stamp on Jack Grealish in our play playoff final defeat to Fulham. Now, are we actually saying, are we questioning Kevin Friend's impartiality? Um, what do you guys make of that? Um, I mean, personally, I see, I see, I see three dis- uh, possibilities. Possibility one, Kevin Friend has no idea what the distinction between a clean tackle, a foul and a bad foul is. So he simply guesses each time and he shouldn't be refing at an elite level or any, or any level. Option two, <laughs> He, he's got no attention to detail and, and he just struggles to keep up with the game. So he, he, can't, get, he can't pay any attention to the detail of the new VAR rules over his head. And he guesses again. Option three, which I believe is the actual case, he's got an agenda against certain clubs, Villa one of them, and it, it actually affects his decision-making on the pitch. The Chelsea game in 2013, you've got the playoff final stamp you've mentioned, and yesterday, there, there's no excuse for that. Why would he want to blow the whistle early when he knows he's got protection? Mm. I don't know. I think it's more. It's just. It's just the second one. He can't keep up with the game. It's not much. I don't think he has a specific agenda against Villa. I just think he's a rubbish ref. I think obviously three different occasions. He's not spotted three different things and do with Villa with the past. But he's probably also spotted five different things from five different clubs in the past. I, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable saying that a referee's got an agenda against the club because if someone that bad meaning is able to worm their way into positions of power, then the FA is even more flawed than we thought. I just think it's a diabolical decision. It's robbed us of a vital point. And the referee ought to hang your head in shame. The only positive that could maybe come out of it is that, you know, it's lit a fire under the players' bellies. They can't rely on VAR in the last minute to get them a point. They've got to earn it with a good performance throughout the game because I don't think in the game itself we were actually that good. No, no. I mean, the the performance wasn't great, but I mean, back to the the key discussion point, which is this. Um, I mean, managers, coaches, and players obviously have media duties to attend after matches. Now, is it time that referees are thrown into the spotlight to explain their decisions, especially in instances like this, just so fans might then have some form of understanding or at least try to understand where they're coming from because after the games I never see any referees come out and go you know what I I, I had a, I dropped a clanger there uh, you know it'd just be good to see maybe them on match of the day or or you know doing the the post-match conferences and, and explain their decisions don't you think yeah, yeah that is that's a hundred percent it I've seen it on Instagram John Terry's posted the video of the actual decision and he's got comments from like all sorts of players on there. David Louise commented. Bon Lahore said the ref's arrogant. That he he thinks Kevin Friend's arrogant. And then one of them said that ref should actually have to come out and explain decisions to the, to the fans. Because at the end of the day, you've paid a lot of money to get down to London. You watch your team play, and he's completely robbed the experience. He should if he had to explain his decision, maybe he'd be slightly more reluctant to actually blow the whistle and infringe on the new VAR rules. They'd know he'd have to explain that afterwards. He'd have something to fear, like the player or manager would. They're just but they're like they they are the law, but they're also above it, and that's a problem to me. Yeah, and Dom, um, 
so, sorry, Dom, I was going to ask you um, in terms of how big uh, could this be in context of the final league standings come the end of the season? As uh, It's likely Palace uh, and the Villa will be maybe down towards the bottom of the league and fighting to stay up. How big is this in context to, to, to what happens uh, here on it? Well, I mean, what if we go down by one point now or we'll go down by a goal difference? Like, we'll just be saying it's Kevin Friend that's relegated Villa. At the, at, the, at the end of the day, we've been robbed out of a point. A point away to a relegation rival. Getting a point away to a relegation rival is a good result. Getting beat is not. At the end of the day, while we weren't good enough, we did deserve a point because we did get a point. It's just that Kevin Friend robbed us away. And it could be a huge, it could be a huge game, really, because, if, as I say, considering the context of two relegation rivals, it's an important game. I, I just... I think even on Sunday night now, as we sit here recording it, we're all absolutely seething still because it's just unbelievable. It reminds me of Nemanja Vidic in the League Cup final when he should have been sent off. It's the, it's the same level of refereeing incompetence. And while I agree with the idea that perhaps refs should be more open and explaining why they've made a decision, at the end of the day, won't they then think, oh, if I blow the whistle now, the, ref, the fans love a go at me. I can't blow my whistle. Won't they think, and is it really a ref's job to sort of, you know, with how little respect they get already, is it really their job to degrade themselves even further by making them public enemies? I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, a hard, it's a hard issue. And in this case, in the context of the game, I think it's really going to cost us. But that's me being pessimistic. I mean, that as you will. On, on what you just said about the Vidic one, that, that was a bad mistake. And given the context, it was made far worse. That makes it far worse. But the, as an actual referee, a mistake, I genuinely think that Kevin Friend has made the worst referee a mistake of all time because he's literally got video software to fix any made the whole point of var is any major decision like that that goes wrong can be overturned and fixed he's got the bloody software he's got it there and by he's made he made the horrendous first mistake after a bad game of refereeing in the first place his yellow card usage was absolutely shocking and completely one-sided and he's gone he's gone made, made the first clanger and then we He's dropped two clangers at once to make his first clanger irreparable. It's atrocious. <laughs> so, I mean, I think we're, we're, we're just basically... I mean, I, th- I thought refereeing was bad in the championship, but it just goes to show that... <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that being promoted, finally, you know, what with VAR as well, is I, I, I did think that we'd see some, some improvements. And it would appear, um, following this incident... Maybe um, maybe we're not going to see uh, such improvements, but it's a shame that all of this has happened right before the international break, as I reckon uh, with these sorts of situations, players are usually chomping at the bit to get it out of their system and get right back into it. Now, what do you think, Dom? Uh, do you believe the international break has come at a good time for Villa? I think given how mediocre, shall I say, the performance was against Palace, you know, we, we started both halves well. I think Dean Smith said it. And then after that, we just fizzled out. Obviously, Trezeguet's got his second yellow. I mean, one of them, was, I think the second one was definitely a yellow card. But whether the first one was a yellow card, I don't know. Anyway, I just think that really, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be a good time. Yeah, I think with the context of how we played, having a bit of training, seeing how many of these players won't get called up by the international squads, how many we can actually train together, you know, gel a bit more on the training ground, learn some new passages of plays, set pieces, whatever, because, you know, we, we just need to expand our game, diversify our game, hone our mis- fix our mistakes, improve. And so I think that having a couple of weeks off now, going into a few games where we're going up against some more relegation rivals, and obviously Arsenal away, but we'll ignore that one. 
I think it's <laughs> a really good time to prepare for those games so we can get the most amount of points possible. Sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I absolutely hate international break. It's just so boring. But mm. on this occasion, I'm actually happy to see it. Then players, yeah. they need time on the training ground together to gel. What we've seen since Dean Smith took over, the more time he has with a group of players, the better they play. That, that That's why the winning run happened last season. Obviously, Grealish came back. That helped. But we need them, we need these the new set of players to gel in a similar fashion again because we look decent and knocking the ball around. Our defence, in my mind, looks good. Engels and Ming's great partnership. We just lack. We don't. We don't seem to penetrate in the final third. We lack we a don't killer create, instinct. We don't oh, create yeah. enough chances. And do, you think, kill it. and do you think that? Um, do you think Trezeguet? Obviously, what with his sending off, do you think it'll be El Ghazi coming straight in? I'd imagine so. I mean, El Ghazi did score at Ever- against Everton, and he's he's your like for like replacement. It's, it depends if he changes the system or not. Personally, I'd stick. I'd stick yeah. with that four-three-three. Uh, and El Ghazi comes straight in, but we need to find that that cutting edge because we're not creating enough chances and we won't score enough goals. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Now, we're going to go for a quick ad break, but when we're back, we'll be discussing uh, Tyrone Ming's international call-up. We'll also be going over Aaron Tishabola's move to Belgium, uh, and our Living in the Past seg- segment will be featuring uh, that um, tool that is Dean Saunders. Uh, and we'll be going over Villa's fixtures post the international break. We'll see you in a minute. As many of you will already be aware, Heart of the Holt is partnered with FansBet, the betting company where 50% of its profits is shared with fan pages like ourselves. Heart of the Holt is a not-for-profit page and we don't make any money from sign-ups. FansBet is just like any other high street betting company, the only difference being is that 50% of any losing bets that you place will be given to us to spend on fan initiatives. With this money, we were able to send dozens of underprivileged families to Villa Park last season and donate a large chunk of money to Project B6. The FansBet app is available to download on Apple or Android devices, and when registering, please select Heart of the Holt as your designated branch. Whilst we'd like our listeners who do enjoy a punt to sign up, we encourage all of you to gamble responsibly. You must be 18 years or over to register. Thank you very much. Welcome back. Let's get straight back into it. A few days uh, ago, video footage was released of former Villa frontman Dean Saunders being pulled over and refusing to give a breath test when detained by the police on suspicion of drink driving. Uh, He was sentenced to 10 weeks in prison, but has since been released on unconditional bail after serving just one day uh, inside, pending an appeal against his sentence. Uh, The offence was committed back in May. Uh, What do you make of this, boys? What, What do you make of uh, the incident it's just irresponsible and complete it's just it's it's shocking it is complete arrogance in his part he makes kevin friend look like he's shy and underconfident it's it's absolutely appalling i love how you can i love how you can pull kevin friend got to cross reference kevin friend somehow yeah (laughs) i I wake up angry about kevin friend that's that's what that game's done to me anyway on to on to dean saunders it is it's complete arrogance, and he thinks he's above the law. He's not good in jail for one day. It's an appeal now, isn't it? In my, in my mind, I've seen that he was driving a seventy thousand pound Audi, Audi A8 
in my mind. I don't care if he's in jail. Just take take the car off him, give the money to the public, don't let him drive again. Job done. He shouldn't be on the road. He's he's not he's, he clearly can't control himself. So in my mind, take the car off him, give it the money, give, give the money to the public. He can stay out of jail, but we can actually gain from his idiocy. I mean, I, I can't see that from happening. I mean, I'd love to have you as part of our justice uh, makeup <laughs> uh, in this country, Callum. Dom, um, go on then, fire away. Please don't mention Kevin Friend. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll steer clear of socialism and Kevin Friend. But um, <laughs> uh, no, nah, it's just, it's just, it, I'll be blunt. It's, it's just rich people being arrogant, isn't it? He's had a great career. He's got a load of money. He sits around on Sky talking football. Gets paid loads of money for it. Has a nice house. Has a nice life. Goes on holiday all the time. So he thinks he can drive around in his posh Audi A8 and drive how he likes. Oh, he locked... he... Why, why has he been let out? He's done it. Why does he get appeal? Why does he... <laughs> they, they clearly know he's done it because he's refused. What's the point of appealing? What's the appeal going to do? <laughs> An absolute joke. Just well, the video footage, clearly, I think it clearly shows his guilt. I mean, yeah, people talk about his money, but, you know, I was under the illusion that Saunders was it was quite skint based on the fact that he does these, you know, appearances for, you know, 1,000 to 2,000 quid, you know. But um, I, I get that he was driving a nice car, but, you know, is he, is he really that minted? Well, if he's, if he's able to drive an Audi A8 and Sky are paying him well, clearly. He's rich. He's rich. He's definitely rich in terms of stupidity. Like, oh god, yeah, and arrogance, I should say. Apparently, like when he got jailed, like he clearly dropped in court and looked shocked. How how can anyone be that? I mean, we've heard his football punditry. He's clearly not the smartest like man on the street, is he? But that is that's that's a level of arrogance or stupidity to think you're going to get away with that, and you should. It's dangerous. For me, for me personally, um, he just needs to crawl back down a hole and live his retirement peacefully. He, the, the fact that he just, you know, gets paid for talking a load of tripe about former players and managers. I mean, we all heard the Brian Clough story um, being his most infamous uh, tale that he told live on Talksport, in which he seemed to find it amusing to take the mick out of Clough's struggles with alcoholism. I mean, that was a really sad moment for me. And uh, to be honest, he just needs to do one. Um, and uh, enough on that matter. Anyway, on a brighter note, last Thursday, Tyro Mings was called up to the England squad for the upcoming Euro 2020 qualifiers against Bulgaria and Kosovo. Following this news, Dom and I, uh, earlier on last week, had a discussion about it and tried to figure out just why he received so much hatred from supporters of rival clubs. And uh, here it is for your listening pleasure. So, uh, Tyrone Mings has made the England national team. What about that, eh, Dom? Um, what is it with supporters of other clubs and the hatred that they seemingly have towards Mings and or possibly even the Villa? Um, following the squad announcement, I did happen to notice um, that there was, you know, a few tweets, um, you know, having a pop at his involvement in the national setup. Uh, I've got a few of those tweets here. So first of all, I've got uh, from at Saund65, Tyrone Mings deserves a call up more than Ben Godfrey, question mark, really, question mark. Uh, both played PL games this season. Gov- uh, Godfrey uh, played in the team that won the championship. Another one here. To a, a similar effect, um, maybe a bit more harsher, at Ross Sanders 5, 
uh, Tyrone Mings in the England squad. We're supposed to be moving forward as a football nation. He's effing pony. Um, I'll go for a few more, but get your initial thoughts, Dom. Uh, what, why is there so much hatred here? Uh, you know, there are. I think there's a, there's a couple of main reasons. The first one is obviously the stamping controversy. Everyone thinks, yeah. oh, we stamped on Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Oh, we stamped on Nelson Oliveira. I did get an FA ban for the Zlatan Ibrahimovic one. I haven't, I haven't seen it too many times, but by all accounts that, you know, have seen it, I've seen a few people say it was on purpose and people saying it was accidental. I don't know. You know, he probably made a stupid mistake when he was young, proved himself against a big strike. If he stamped on someone, okay, it's one mistake, even if it yeah. wasn't an accident, which, you know, as we know, Tyron Mings, he never stamped someone. And obviously the Oliveira one for us, that was never on purpose. He was... His foot was already coming down. He wasn't looking where he was standing. He looked down at the last second, couldn't move his foot in time. So, horrific, really. But honestly, and the other factor I think really is jealousy. We've got a left-sided centre-half, left-footed. You can play it from the back. He's physical. He's a, you know, he's a titan. He's a, he's loved in the club. He's he's one of a kind, Tyro Mings. And I think there are a lot of people who are saying, oh, James Tarkowski should get called up, as, as he should. Connor Cody, again, should get called up, fair enough. But at the end of the day, this is just something that we should enjoy. I do believe that the likes of Connor Cody and James Tarkowski should get a call-up, should get a chance. But maybe Mings is getting his after, you know, a phenomenal six months in the championship. He transformed yeah. our defence. Absolutely. So I, mean, in, in, uh, I explain to people who I work with, I, I talk about Mings, because obviously I've seen him so much live and... Uh, and obviously, so I, re- I really do focus on his game. And, you know, I remember, you know, when he came in, I wrote an article about, you know, uh, players that could be possibly coming in. And I covered Mings. Uh, he was a selection in there in, in January as as possible as a possible loanee. And obviously ended up coming in. Um, never did I think he would have such an impact, obviously. But explaining these this to, to, to people at work and just how good he is, is... And 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 they, and they think I'm I'm really bigging them up. You know, I, I'll I'll tell you if someone's a poor player or you know yeah. they've got a poor side, they've got areas of weakness. But Mings, I don't know what it is. He just seems to have it all. I mean, I watch him off the ball, on the ball. He's just absolutely brilliant. It's so hard to 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 explain it to people who haven't really seen him as much. If that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. As Villa fans, we get to watch him every week. Now mm. the other fans will get to watch him twice a year. Like when yeah. they watch their own team play against us. Who's going to have the more valid opinion at the end of the day? You've got Eddie House, you've got Dean Smith, the day signed in year as a Premier League player. Dean Smith saying he's got the potential to make England. Eddie House saying the same. And then a week later, he makes England set up. It's no coincidence. He's been sublime in the Championship. He's been sublime in the Premier League. Like, yeah. I, I, just don't, I, don't, I don't get the agenda against him. I, do you know what? He's done a lot of good things for charity, a lot of good things for mental health. He's a nice bloke on the pitch. And off the pitch, he's a leader. He's yeah. I, I could I, we could wax lyrical about Tyrone Mings for years. I I just think the fact is, if he continues in his current trajectory, we we will face a battle to keep hold of him at the end of the summer. Given how many yeah. top six, top ten clubs are looking for centre halves, and with the fact that Tyrone Mings is naturally left-sided and English, only 26 as well. You know, Southgate was saying he hasn't played too many games, so he's got a lot of developing to do. I think you know. Almost theoretically, the sky's almost the limit for this guy. Well, I'm, I mean, we obviously uh, listen. I'm not going to put the guy in nowhere near Paul Maguire, but we talk about cult heroes, and yeah. Mings has the making of a cult hero. 
if yes. and, and if he stays around. You know, I thought that in the back of my mind. I was going, you know, he's still got plenty of years ahead of him. You know, he is 26. And I kind of think if he has a really good season here, um, a, a year and a half, two years, it's still only be 20, 27, 28. And all of a sudden you think, we could we could end up losing him, and that would be a real shame because he has got the makings of a real cult hero and someone that can be, you know, can possibly even uh, I don't want to call it this early, you know, see out the days at Villa and really be a massive hero on the terraces for that many. That would just be beautiful, uh, wouldn't it, if he stayed yeah. here like that and did it and did it, and, you know, lived his became a one club man obviously after Bournemouth. You know what I mean, like. Yeah, 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 I get what you're saying. I mean, with regards to um, uh, the, the hatred that he does seem to be getting, it it does. T- it, I, I've noticed when I've been searching on social media, it is a lot of Norwich fans and it is a lot of the obsessive Wolves fans. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I've got this one here at DK underscore NCFC, a Norwich City fan. Tyro Mings, for F's sake. Um, price tag dictating an England call-up. Wouldn't get into our side if... All of our defenders were fit. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. I've got to interject (laughs) on that one. I'm sorry. What What is wrong with Norwich fans? Why do they hate us? They're trying to. They did the double over us last season. (laughs) You know what we've got is we've got got two young upcoming managers with. Yeah, we gave them a guard of honor. What do they want? Uh, I don't understand Norwich fans' agenda with Wolves. You know, there's a kind of a white rivalry because we're really the only two relevant Midlands clubs and you know back in the championship 2017-18 yeah, we were both competing for the title but I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a rivalry in itself I mean we could, we could I could spend ages telling you what Wolves and Villa aren't rivals but Norwich I can't believe it you know it, it annoys me every time I see a Norwich fan you know having to go at Tyrone Rings having to go at Villa I just think well I hope you go down I hope well, that I mean, you I hope that you I go can't... down you spent about two million haven't you I can't, I, I don't understand. You could honestly, I mean, come on, Grant Hanley or Tyro Mings. Yeah, Marco Stieferman, Tim Closer or Tyro Mings. Like. Mings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, this was a strange one. I, I see this one at till underscore FC, uh, a Bolton Wanderers fan. Um, he, he says, uh, Tyro Mings in the England squad. What the F has this nation come to? We ain't going to do F all with him. He's an utter ball bag. What a waste of a spot in the in the squad. Hashtag Mings. Hashtag AVFC. Hashtag England FC. Yeah, it's exactly. England ha- it's not. It's not a football club. It's, it's, it's a name. It's bait. That's a bait account. You can tell. <laughs> hashtag AVFC. Getting all the Villa fans to come and reply to him to annoy them. That's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bait account. People create fake accounts to you know annoy Villa fans. Know. I looked, and do you know I what? It's through, funny. I looked through these tweets. Is I I, I did look through this guy's tweets at Till underscore fc and you can check that out yeah. yourself ti double l if you really want to give them the time of day um but it didn't look like a uh, fake account to be honest um and i was i was quite surprised when i when well, i read that. that is a very depressing life if you're a bolton wanderers fan your club's just been saved from expulsion thank the lord <laughs> yeah and you spend your time trying to annoy aston villa fans <laughs> on twitter all i'm saying I is mean... at, the end of, at the end of the day yeah they'll all be proven wrong because I think oh, he'll. I, I, at the end, of, I don't think he'll start for England. I don't think he's there yet. I think he'll be a good squad player, a good rotation player. I think he'll get minutes. I just hope he doesn't get injured, and I hope he, you know, gives a finger to all these fans who are, you know, saying, "Oh, he's not going to make it. Oh, he's rubbish. Oh, injury prone. Oh, twenty million. What a ridiculous price." His value has skyrocketed. He's been oh, nominated absolutely. for PFA Player of the Month. He's got his England call up, and the second he pulls the shirt on and sets, steps out on that pitch. Villa have secured their profit. And yeah, that's and, just Christian Perslow 
as much as we want to keep him, just saying, all right, at least we make a profit on him if yeah. a top six club comes calling. Because they, I think they will. Because, Absolutely. I mean, if you look at Arsenal, sorry, sorry to keep going on yeah, it, but yeah. Arsenal, they need another centre-half. They're already in Upamecano in January, apparently. You've got United, they've got Lindelof with Maguire. I don't know how long that's going to last. Chelsea have got Christensen and Zuma. I, I don't know, is that really going to oh, hold I up? Pick, I would pick Mings over pretty much most of those defenders that you've, you've just named. Uh, I mean, definitely um, Christensen. I like Zuma, yeah. but he hasn't had a great start to the season, I don't think. Zuma. No, no, he, he hasn't had such a good start to the season. But going back to the whole kind of, you know, this waste of a spot in the squad, obviously, from that person. And, you know, it, it just reminds me of England of old where, you know, regardless of who we were playing, let's face it, OK, when we're talking about these uh, European, um, you, you know, Euro qualification games is, I mean, this is at home to Bulgaria, at home to Kosovo. Um, you know, a recently uh, a recent um, uh, nation that's come into the to the to the um, uh, in, uh, nominated into FIFA or, or however it, it works. Um, but I mean, these are the kind of games that they should be getting. I mean, we're not they're not having to travel, uh, so that's a, obviously a, a great thing in terms of they're not going abroad or anything. Um, and these are these are regardless of what eleven we put out, regardless of the squad, we should be turning these sorts of nations over anyway. So why not? introduce players like Mings and, and exactly. you know, Mason Mount and, and so forth into the squad. Start handing a few caps out. In the England of old, you know, pretty much regardless of who we were playing, had pretty much a very set regimented squad and very seldom did they look outside of that. And even when they did, is they'd still start with the strongest 11, which I, I never quite understood. I mean, I, I want to I get my opinion on England first, clear it before I start this. I don't rate Gareth Southgate. I've never have. I don't think he's ever been the man. But I will say that you bang on, absolutely bang on. These are the kinds of games are home to Bulgaria and Kosovo. What's what's the harm in trying new players? James Madison, Mason Mount, Tyrone Mings. I'd say James Tarkowski, Connor Cody, they're Grealish maybe. You know. There are more people out there that you can bring into the fold. And this is the perfect time for them to start, you know, trying out and showing their quality on the international stage so that we have the strongest possible squad for the Euros. I mean, th- I mean, people are saying we've been wasting a spot on Tyrone Mings. We have three right-backs in the squad. How yeah. are all three of those going to get used? Trent, Wambisaka and Trippier. No Walker, by the way, who's mm. had an excellent start to the season with City and he's probably England's main right-back. It's no Walker. There's just Trippier, who's playing in Atletico Madrid and obviously Trent and Wan-Bissaka obviously deserve to be in the squad it's, it's, I don't understand I don't, the, I don't, I don't understand rate, the squad selection Trippier, to be honest I don't rate Trippier my, no, my cousin's first season ticket holder and he he, he, he despised him to be honest yeah. I thought it was very poor well yeah no I mean yeah these are the definitely the sort of games that you know you should be trying out different things I mean going on to the Southgate uh, thing I, I, I mean I think he's done a splendid job um, and he's you know I, I like to see that he's, he's bringing through plays. Um, the only thing with me was, you know, how did he get the England national team job? Um, you know, uh, it, it certainly, you know, it baffles me, to be honest. But uh, that's a, that's a, another conversation. Uh, you know, we've been rubbing it on for a few minutes uh, to do with uh, Mings and his England call-up. I would like to congratulate uh, Tyro Mings. Obviously, now yeah. it's just all about getting, uh, and I'm sure, yeah, you second that, Dom. Best of luck um, to him. Yeah, best of luck to best him. Best of luck great to him. Great player. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, now it's just about trying to get Jack in there. So hopefully he has a little word with Gareth, gets Jack Grealish in there. That'd be two uh, England, inter- well, three including, sorry, uh, uh, including Tom Heaton, uh, three England internationals in the squad for the next time. Um, on, to the, on to the next uh, topic. Uh, we're just going to have a quick interlude. Uh, thank you very much. Just a quick timeout now before we hit the final part of the show. And I'd like to take this opportunity to personally thank you all for listening. Now, if you are enjoying the pod as budget as it may be, please, please, please share it among fellow villains. I totally get that it's not the slickest of podcasts, but I do think that we have some great discussion on here. Here at Heart of the Holt, we're all about the 12th man and allowing the 12th man to have their say. There are no egos here, just a bunch of lads that love talking about football. Anyway, enough of that. Let's go and finish off the pod. Speaking of England internationals, last week, former England under-18 international Aaron Tishabola uh, secured a move away from Villa and is now playing his trade over in Belgium with, uh, forgive me if I get this wrong, Varsland Beveren. Uh, what do you make of that, Callum? The right move for both? Uh, it's, it's definitely the, the right move for the Villa. He, he's, <laughs> let's face it, he doesn't have a future here. He's, he didn't make it a Kilmarnock. If you can't make it a kill mark, you're not going to make it at the Villa in the Premier League. He gave us that in that moment at Newcastle. I remember him for that, but honestly, I forgot he was still at the club. <laughs> so, yeah. I, ho- I hope he does well. I really do. I hope he does well because he was involved in the actual squad midweek, wasn't he, in the Cup? So, clearly, he's still showing some sort of work ethic, you'd imagine, and he gets on with the players. But I hope he, I hope he does well there. But, yeah, definitely the right move for Villa. Possibly for him. And Dom, uh, I mean, Tisha Bowler is he's going to be 25 in January. Um, you know, he's been at the club for the last just over three years, three years, going to a couple of months. What a waste of time that has been for him. I mean, 20, almost 25 years of age. Um, what can you what do you think the future beholds for Aaron Tisha Bowler? He's just going to go around European lower leagues based off his pedigree at Reading and once being an £8 million player. Frankly, the fact that Callum was able to forget that he existed is quite a good thing, really. <laughs> Fair play to you, Callum. Thank you. I, th- I literally think he's one of the worst players ever to be contracted to a Premier League club, especially this season. He's on. He was awful in the Championship. How I, much I was couldn't he believe he was still at the club. He, How much he was, was he £8 on? Million. Oh, the Brat uh, wage? I don't know. 20 30 I think. 20 30 grand a week. Give him I mean, when he came in. Because that, um, that was obviously Di Matteo giving out those contracts, wasn't it, and Jao? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talking about, actually, talking about um, players going off and, and, and roaming around European League's former villains, I, 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 was, I don't know why, but I was looking at uh, Libor Kozak, who's uh, oh, at uh, Sparta Prague. And uh, I'm actually thinking about going to see him next February, um, Sparta Prague against someone uh, in, the, uh, in the Czech League. So if anyone wants to come along, um, you know, I like to tick off a European ground and I've never been to Sparta Prague. Feel free. Well, Prague is an absolutely... I went to Prague a few weeks ago. It is one of the best cities on earth. The, the booze it could not be cheaper. And I imagine there'd be a good atmosphere because it's, it's like Central Europe. We've all yeah. seen the videos online. That would be... I'll be well up for that, to be honest. 
I'll give you a shout. Now, it's uh, it's the international break, and even when the domestic action returns, the Villa will have to wait until the Monday night, live on TV, uh, for their chance to get back to winning ways at home to West Ham United. Now, when you look at the next few league fixtures, you have to say Villa have a great chance to get some real points on the board. I know Dom alluded, it to, uh, alluded to this a little earlier on. We've got West Ham at home, Arsenal away, meh. Uh, Burnley at home, Norwich away, uh, and then Brighton at home before those two difficult games against Man City and Liverpool. Just how important will it be to get something on the board? And how many points can you see us getting from these fixtures? I mean, if you look at the first two, they're not great. West Ham, while they've been a bit inconsistent this season, they are, they've got those really good players. But I think we'll get a point against them after the international break. We'll be up for it. Arsenal away, write that one off. We've had some good results at the Emirates down the years, so maybe we'll get an upset, but I'm going to write it off. Okay. Burnley at home, I'm going to, so I'm going to, I think, if we can get tickets. We'll be go, oh, hopefully, we'll win that. I think we'll win that. Norwich will probably get beat. Brighton will win, so uh, six, seven points, I think, for the next five. Man City and Liverpool, we'll forget that they don't, we'll don't talk about them. And considering how many like relegation roles are playing in Burnley, Norwich, Palace, we've got, we've yeah. got to get real points on the board here. It's so important now. I would, I would. Yeah, I, I think. Go I'm being... go on, go on. Yeah, no, I mean, I was just saying, I mean, if, for example, we get the uh, seven points that Don predicts, I mean, plus the three that we've got, to me, that's 25% towards the 40-point mark. And that's how I look at things right now. Uh, I know that sounds really pessimistic, but that's how we've got to look at things. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, in a, in a similar elk, I'm saying we need to win two of them three home games, including West Ham, Burnley, Brighton. I think we need to win two of them. And I think Norwich away, I don't want to see us... As long as we don't lose, then they don't get three points. I think we need to be looking for a draw there, minimum. Because Especially especially with them giving it large about the whole Tyrone Mings and that he, he oh, yeah. their starting 11. I hope we beat them 7-0 after that. After what we were talking <laughs> about in that segment. You'll see in the segment earlier... That we and Ryan have recorded previously. The, the amount of Norwich fans that have been on Tyrone Mings is back is ridiculous. Giving it large. So just for that, I hope he scores a corner header or you know gives it large in front of their home end. I'd love that. Honest, honestly though, why why Norwich fans? They're they're, they're a bizarre bunch. I remember the Norwich game. They they're came really up strange, to celebrate their league title. I've not seen a weirder bunch of fans in my life. Like I saw two in a pub the other week. I was back in Peterborough for the weekend. There's these two like very large middle-aged people with shirts with names on the back both had pucky on the back like as if they finally discovered a half decent footballer you, you don't do that they're, they're a weird fan base and i don't frankly think I, I, I hope they score the, a hat trick um, have you seen the video of their fans celebrate the fans celebrating the goal against chelsea and they literally there's no there's not no jumping from there literally just stand up and start clapping like it's, it's honestly, bowls or something. It's yeah, literally <laughs> like it's bowls. It's unreal. It's like they're at a golf tournament and they're like, "Hey, he's in a great t-shirt." Oh, no. I, I reckon they will support VAR the Norwich fans because they've got no fear of the celebrations going because they never had any. You know what I mean? I there's say, that yeah, whole debate. No, there's no difference in their celebrations. If anything, they're even louder. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think it's fair to say that not a lot goes on in East Anglia. And so they have to vent this pent-up frustration somewhere. And for some reason, they take it out on Mings in the villa. But, okay, lads. Now, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for this week. Um, But we'll be back after the international break to discuss all the latest goings-on at our beloved Aston Villa. Now, enjoy the international break, lads. Uh, I know it's a bit boring, but we've got to do it. Catch you all again very soon. Cheerio.